This is the Sales Gravy Podcast. Hi, I'm Jeb Blunt, best-selling author of Fanatical Prospecting Objections, Sales EQ, and Inked, and I'm here to help you open more doors, close bigger deals, and rock your commission check. Welcome to the Sales Gravy Podcast. I am Brad Adams, Senior Master Sales Trainer with Sales Gravy, and I'm thrilled to be guest hosting this podcast today while Jeb is literally flying around the globe, delivering training and keynotes from his most recent smash success, Selling in a Crisis. In just over two weeks, Selling in a Crisis is already on its second print. Look, we all know that economic winter is coming. And in Selling in a Crisis, Jeb tells you and prepares you with 55 ways so that you can still bring in your number and keep your job, even in tough times. Get your copy now, read it, and start using it today. And not only do I get to host the podcast today, but I have an amazing guest. I had the pleasure of meeting Tony in Atlanta while he was leading a workshop at Outbound. Tony Morris is absolutely brilliant, and you'll hear why I said that word in a moment. Um, And he's a conversation strategist. He's an author of five books with a new one coming out soon, and we're going to get to that today. He works with organizations and leaders to ask better questions, and it's a meta skill, and to get better results. His first book, Coffees for Closers, was the number one best-selling book for telesales on Amazon. Tony was voted in the top 50 sales speakers in the world in 2021, and he was inducted into the Sales Hall of Fame along with our very own Jeb Blunt and another great friend, Victor Antonio. Tony, welcome. Thank you so much. Lovely to be here. It's so glad to have you. What brought you to Sales Gravy Studios today? I've been following Jeb for 21 years. I'm a proper fan, to be fair, and... It was, you know what it was? COVID started and I said, I have to get Jeb on my podcast, Confessions of a Serial Seller. I needed to get the man on. And on the back of that, he very kindly invited me to speak at Outbound and he invited me here to the studio. Fantastic. How was your trip? Good. You know, I had an hour delay, but for me, I travel a lot, probably not as much as Jeb, but I I use that time well. So I'm I'm, you know, rewriting a revised edition of the book, which I'm sure we'll talk about. And it just allowed me no distraction, you know, no, no, just pure focus. So, you know, for me, it was, it was ideal. Yeah. I find when I travel, I I get to just lock into some things because you sort of, you're not so available to your staff and, 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 you know, you can even ignore some clients a little bit every now and then, but we never want to do that for long. Of course. (laughs) So it's really good to have you. Um, Look, I absolutely loved meeting you in September and, and I had the unenviable position of doing a, a workshop directly after Mm. yours, which was so well attended. Uh, I learned so much in your workshop and we'll talk a little bit more in a little bit, but what did you think of Outbound? Absolutely loved it. I reckon I've spoken now in four or 500 conferences and it was in my top three. It was, it was not only was the the venue um, and the sort of the, the presentation exceptional, which makes a big difference, but the energy, some, some of the best speakers I've ever seen, I mean, including Jeb, Victor Antonio, Mark Hunter, for me, they were just stand out. And it was nice to have my colleague, Dan Disney, you know, he's, I'm a big fan of Dan's work to see him live again. It was beautiful. I loved it. Absolutely loved it. I had to speak right after him too on the stage. It was awful. It's, it's never, it's never a good <laughs> one to go after Dan. Yeah. He's, he's, he's so authentic. He's, he's a genuine expert. You know, we talk about thought leaders, but he is, he knows LinkedIn better than anyone. Um, he's a, he's a guru. He's a LinkedIn guru. 
He absolutely is. Well, you're you're a fairly big guru when it comes to mm. discovery and and asking those questions. And um, you delivered that program to the elite ticket holders at Outbound. Tell me a little bit about what you did with that program. Yeah, you know what? When I I get asked quite a bit, what's your superpower? And it's it's quite tough to put, you know, to to really focus on it. And I think since I was a kid, I've always been very good at asking good questions, but my listening let me down. And, and because I know how vital listening is right in sales, I just really focused on it. But for me, having worked with 36,000 salespeople, if, if I listen to their conversations, the biggest thing that lets them down is one, really bad questions. Two, they listen to respond. They don't listen to learn. And three, they talk more than the prospect. And we all know the 80-20 rule, but because their questions are bad, they're not engaging that prospect or customer. So they have to fill the silence. And that was my whole session was about become conscious of the questions you're asking and, and are they acetating the ideal outcome? That's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah. Discovery, um, and you said it too. I, I think if you look at sales professionals, um, and if I'm a, if I'm a new sales professional, the two things I need to focus on are a build a strong pipeline, yep. prospect, 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 and B discover. Yeah. Like don't focus on closing. Absolutely. If you don't know how to ask questions and you don't know how to listen to the responses. Well, the truth is, right, our job is to help, serve and recommend. And we can't do that if we've not done discovery properly. And so many salespeople, as well as ask the wrong questions, they don't they don't dig deep. They don't peel back the onion. And we're sort of taught all these very basic situation questions. But unless you go deep and find out the true motive, you're just not going to hit quota. That's the truth. It is the truth. Why do you think sales reps have a hard time asking questions? You, you alluded to it a little bit, but mm. what, what do you think the, the, the core of that is? Or just tell me a little bit more about what you found with working with those 36,000 sales reps. You know what? It comes down to two, actually. It comes down to will and skill. So one of the biggest challenges, they just feel uncomfortable in asking, you know, asking for the business, the referral, the testimonial, and, and the list goes on. So it's more of a comfort, confidence thing. And I think... Brad, where that comes from is when I ask them why they're uncomfortable, they often say back to me, I wouldn't like it if someone does it to me. And it's the biggest mistake in sales. Don't think how you would react is the same as how your prospect will react. So I think will is the first part, but it is the skill. And I think so many salespeople run on autopilot. They're just not thinking about what they're asking. And when they sort of sit back, listen to a call, reflect, they think I keep getting all these no's or very lack of engagement and it comes down to them. It's easy to blame a prospect, but if you reflect and take ownership and think, if I ask better questions, I get better results. And I always say, if you ask the wrong question, don't expect the right result. Perfect. Perfect. So how, what are your record? Like, give us the Tony Moore secret sauce here um, okay. within reason um, for the sales professionals that are listening today. How do you recommend that they prepare? How do they get ready for a discovery call so that they don't get on autopilot and they don't- It's a great question. Miss key things that people say. Well, so. the, the first thing, there's sort of two big preps, right? One is desired outcome, right? It was the late motivational speaker, Richard Dennis, that said, if you don't have a goal, you can't score, right? So the first thing is, what are you aiming towards? Is it to set up a demo? to set up a meeting, set up a presentation, or is it to make a sale? So have a clear, defined outcome. Then in order to achieve that outcome, have a list of key criteria you really need to ascertain to 
you know, get towards that goal. I'll give you an example. One thing that most reps are going to want to know is the stakeholders. It's often depends on the size of the deal. If it's an enterprise deal, there's numerous stakeholders. So one of the things I need to find out and or prepare for is what's the right question to find that information. And then have I got the will to close that second step with other key stakeholders? So the key point is have a list of all criteria that you need. And then, you know, to begin with, prepare questions to get it. And it, and it's a trial and error. You'll use a question like, go back to the stakeholder. You might say, you know, you're the managing director. I take it's your decision. And the MD says, yeah, it is. But it's the wrong question. The right question, aside from you, Brad, who else would be involved in this process? Brad says, it's me, Tom, Dick and Harry. And you then say, well, look, it's vital I meet all four of you because you'd have different questions, which I want to answer. So together you make that informed decision. But if you ask the question badly, you don't meet the stakeholders and your pipeline becomes a maybe deal, not a real deal. It goes back earlier to what you said is it's the sales jobs, you know, it's the sales professional's job to guide the stakeholder, to guide the client. Like how often do companies make these buying decisions? Yeah. You know, and, 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 and it's, they're not buying cable television. Yeah. They're buying something that you sell that they might buy once in a lifetime, once a year. 100%. And so guiding them is, you know, the way you do that is with questions. So if, if, if you looked at sort of the art of that, what, what pointers would you give in terms of guiding them via questions? So, yeah, I like the word guiding. So I use signposting. Okay. So what, what a lot of my clients do is that they'll preface the call saying, look, Brad, I'm going to ask you a series of questions because I want to make sure that I'm going to recommend the right solution. Um, so can I start by asking, and then they'll start taking them through the journey. And I think if you imagine a sales call going from north down to south, right, we know the prospect's going to take you off piece. That's normal. Most salespeople will answer that question and then they'll skip a few bits uh, and they don't get the ideal outcome. A professional will go off piece, deal with it, deflect it, and then go back to exactly the same point they were on that journey. And then it's a case of asking those really clever questions, but listening is absolutely critical. Um, And then we take that prospect down our journey because ultimately every call, every scenario should be different information, but a similar path. And as you said, we're in control of where we take them. It's our job to lead, educate and take them down our process. You've talked about listening several times today mm. and um, the best questions in the world are terrible if you don't hear the answers. Absolutely. What guidance would you have for someone who struggles to be a good listener? Mm. That's a really good question. I think it's a combination of things. So one, th- three things I always think about is I call it the replay question. So what I do in every sales conversation, I ask um, a pertinent question I get some information and I put it in my back pocket and I use that later on in the call. So um, anything that was discussed, I might go back and say, you know, I know you've won an award within your business. Tell me what impact that had on the morale of the team. They might mention the award early. So that's, so knowing I've, I've got to have a replay question forces me to listen. That's the first thing. The second thing is to, to uh, summarize 
every call, every meeting. So you know, the key point is I'm going to make some keynotes. Don't write down everything. You just won't. And then you're not really listening. So try and highlight what were the key points shared. And at the end of the meeting or call, for me, it's, I call it SAS. So I summarize our conversation. I explain to them the action points, which, which might be, I'm going to do this. You're going to do that. And then finally, what's the next step? So action points of what we've both agreed. And the next step is we'll speak next Wednesday, quarter to 11 with you, Tom, Dick and Harry. But I think if you can have a replay question every time, if you can know that you're going to have to summarize the call, then you're forcing yourself to listen better. And I think the other big point, this is something my coach taught me years ago, is imagine every prospect you speak to has a board above their head that reads, it's all about me. And if we can remember that, that it's not about us, we're irrelevant. It's all about them. It forces you to listen because if you're not listening, it's not all about them. So I think it's becoming conscious of it. So then it becomes just second nature. I think that's the key. I, I love that. This might be a little bit of a nuanced answer, um, but I struggle with this too, with, with the, the clients that I, that I train mm. And um, their focus is always about them, their product, their solution, themselves, what they want. In fact, they use that language. I mm. want, I'm looking for, I see, I want, the, my goal is, you know, who cares, right? Yeah. So how can you change the myopic focus of your world to the customer's world? Mm. So something I learned years ago, and I think I got this from NLP, right? Which is very simple. If you see the world through John Smith's eyes, you're more likely to get John Smith to buy from you. 99% of salespeople see the world through their own lens. The top 1% see it through the customer's lens. So in order to demonstrate you see the world like they do, you've got to pick up language they use, phraseology. So you really start to, if you can repeat back on a call, in an email, in a meeting, specific uh, words they used, it would demonstrate to me you've listened subconsciously because that's what NLP is, right? So I think that's one key. I think the second key is matching that tone. We know that over the telephone, 83% of communication is how you sound, but it, we're irrelevant. So we've got to listen to their tone, their pace, their timber, their volume, you know, all those little bits. And if we can use that again back to them, we're showing them we're like them. And we know that people buy from people like them. So the key is to make them comfortable. We have to be a chameleon. And the more we do that, the more connected they'll be with us, more likely to buy from us. I tell you what, the people that are listening to this today are absolutely in for a treat. You have delivered sales training on a podcast okay. today. It is fantastic. So lots of nuggets here. Let's wrap up talking about discovery again. This is, this is, this is your, your meta skill, like, mm. like, Superman, when he's thinking about discovery, wears Tony Moore's pajamas, that kind of thing yeah. here. So what, um, what would be a couple final thoughts around okay. discovery and listening that you can share with everybody? And then I've, I've got to get into this book, man. Yeah, I've got to get into this book that you've got coming out. So with the regards to the, and I thank you for that. Well, I guess with regards to that, the question set, I've, devised, I've basically devised five types of questions. I'm not talking the what, why, when, where. But obviously it's around the open questions to really probe, get more info, show an interest, make them comfortable, gain trust, so on and so forth. So my first question that most salespeople use is called a tag on. So you, you question, you share something, I question it back. Simple tag on. 
to immerse yourself in the conversation. I call it a statement question. So I might say to you, you know what? I haven't done a lot of research on that. Tell me what impact that's had on your business. So I make a statement question. The third, I said it earlier, the replay question, right? You listen to what they said earlier, bring it back, demonstrates you listened, right? The fourth is a clarification question because so many prospects will say things like, look, we need this fixed quickly. What's quickly mean? So I might say to them, what do you deem as quickly? Or look, we're just looking for an easy to use software. And I'll say, that's great, but so I can understand a little bit more. What's easy to use look like in your world? So clarify things they're actually saying. And then the final one, and I'll tell you how I came up with this. Whenever I was in a meeting, I'd say to a sales director, VP, MD, um, what's your number one priority when it comes to sales training? And they said the same thing, more sales. And although that's obvious, I thought not everyone can have the same goal. If you don't get the right outcome, change the question. So I use what I call the future pace. I say, Brad, let's fast forward a year from today. How do you know my training's been successful? And I got a whole combination of answers. The team's morale's gone up. Our call activities tripled. Our conversion rates doubled. We've reduced our cost per lead. They, I got the real motives. Why? Because it was thought provoking and it was a disruption, a pattern interrupt. Because when you get the brain thinking differently, you are forcing them to open up and think as opposed to what you're looking to achieve. I love that. Do you have the app called Waze? No, it's, I it's, a, it's like a Google Maps app or whatever. Okay. Um, they have that in the US. I, I didn't know if it was international or not, but but I often think about that app mm. when I think about that question. Like if if you know where you're going, if you have the mm. the navigational tool, it's mm. a lot easier to get there. But when you have no idea that you're where you're That's going, point. It, it, it's, it's, it's tough to know. And yeah. even if a customer does ultimately move forward with the training program with us, how do I know how they're going to gauge me? Mm, because I don't really want just point. this one program. I want to be a, a partner of theirs and mm. I want to know how they judge me. And whether it's training or whatever the service or, or, or solution or the mm. products that you're selling, like how do they evaluate you is such a key thing to ask Look, and understand. I think that's a really nice analogy. Look, ROI is key for anyone, right? But what does that ROI look like? Is it financial? But it could be about productivity. It could be about conversion. It's There's so many different criteria or KPIs that's vital to them. Right. So if we don't peel back the onion and really push that, we'll never know. So ultimately we're delivering blind. So therefore it's very hard to say how, you know, let's talk through the results. Let's talk through your feedback. They can't give us proper feedback because we didn't set the stall out properly. You have dropped some bombs today. Thank this you. It's fantastic. But we've got to get over to Coffees for Closers. Mm. This is your brand new book. And, and tell us about when it's coming out and how people can get it. So the revised edition's nearly finished. We're probably two weeks from that, that to get it over to Wiley. And they said it's going to be launched in March. Um, but I am doing a, a pre-launch. So one of the things that, you know, I've, I've had so much great feedback on the first book, which was published, self-published, by the way, in 2012. So the fact now Wiley's publishing it, it it's, a, it's a bucket list for me. Um, and they've said, you know, that there's a whole series of other books coming out. So yeah, March is the plan. But what I'm doing for the first 250 copies, I'm going to personally sign those and also give some other content, some other eBooks that I've written. Um, so for for the for the first 250, so that's going to be relaunched from that will be really from December will be the pre-launch. 
I can see why Ollie would pick it up. I mean, they, it was a smash success the first time. Mm. I, I didn't know that you self-published that. That's, that's yeah. pretty cool. Um, what was the, what's sort of the reason for you repurposing this book? Um, mm. it, it's been a while since it's been about, but like, what was the kind of the core driving, uh, you know what behind that? The key actually is just my growth. You know, mm. when I started my training company 16 years ago now, I was four years into my training business when I wrote the book. But up to that point, I'd been selling for, I don't know, 10 years, 12 years. Um, and what I loved about the book for me, it was all about real life. I've read so many books. I mean, Jeb's a sensation. I've read pretty much all of those except the last and which I need a copy of. Um, and we'll uh, you leave here today. I'll, with I'll negotiate sure. that, whichever. I'll <laughs> negotiate that, but which is never easy. But I, um, I, I was struggling in a lot of the books I read to give me real life things. You know, I love the book, but how do I implement? For me, it's implementation is everything, right? So that was the whole premise of the book. But I, my journey, my growth journey in the last ten years has been insane. I mean, I now read at least two books a month. I, I listen to podcasts, et cetera. So it was all that new content that I've added and I've weaved into the stories. I mean, I, ultimately I've probably taken it from 176 pages to over 350. Um, I'm so excited to get it out. You know, I'm, I'm you know, I'm, I'm really believe it could be the best I've written. So yeah, super excited. That's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah. I, I, I can't wait to read the, uh, the revised version too, because obviously a lot of growth has happened since then. And, and frankly, you are, you, you, you know, your name is out there and people know who you are and, um, and, and I can't wait to get my copy. Um, you're on our podcast today and, and, and I'm sure people want to hear more from you and, and, and more nuggets and more, more truth bombs. Uh, tell me a little bit about your podcast. Yeah. So confessions of a serial seller was, I really wanted to interview the best in the world you know, and, and how do we quantify the best in the world, right? Jeb being absolutely one of those. For me, it's about two or three things. It's one about their self-made multimillionaires. They are, they still are work in progress. I remember interviewing Art Subject, who was one of my sales legends, right? Smart Calling was one of my best books. And, and Art said to me on the podcast, you know, he said, every salesperson does not graduate from the school of sales. And I love that attitude. And it, it amazes me. Some of these multi-millionaires are still investing in themselves, which tells you everything, right? So yeah, for me, the podcast was about interviewing the top hundred, choosing who they are. And there's some unreal guests there like Jeffrey Gittimer, Vic Antonio, Mark Hunter. It's insane. Um, and I, I, by listening to them, I was able to codify the common traits amongst them. And there were some real clear standout traits from them that I can then use in my coaching, my training, my speaking, and also for myself. I learned so much during those interviews and in six months, it was, it was insane actually, the amount of learning. I love it. I love it. So they can get them on all the places where they listen to podcasts. Absolutely. Most of my clients listen to on Apple, but Spotify, you know, wherever suits them. Um, and it's just growing. I'm going to be doing so many more interviews. I'm, I'm trying to keep it down just to four a month now because of my schedule but I've got some unreal guests coming on. It's yeah, super excited. Fantastic. What are your plans for the holidays? We're going, to be honest, we just moved house. So it's, I want to relax a little bit. It's been yeah. pretty chaotic, but my wife and I just had our 16th wedding anniversary. So we had a nice weekend in the spa. Um, but me and my kids, we're just going to have a, just a very relaxed family time in the new house. And then we've booked some holidays really from January next year. We've already got a full holiday schedule, which is, I can't wait. For me, that's, downtime, family time is everything, right? It's, it's why sure. we do what we do for me anyway. 
So it's that's my most precious time. We could learn a lot from the folks in Europe with the holiday. You know, our holiday is a couple of days here and a couple of days there. Yeah. Um, and I don't know if it's enough. So uh, any parting thoughts before we wrap it up today? Yeah, I think that the hopefully the takeaway people have had from this is about better questions. And it sounds so obvious, but I'm, I'm going to give one example that people miss. So when we get an inbound lead, um, most people don't even ask. But the ones who do ask, they'll say, oh, Brad, can I just ask, how did you hear about us? Which is fine because you're getting a source of an inquiry. For me, what I would call my killer question, Brad, can I just ask who recommended you to Tony Morris International? Because you still get the source, but you give her that great perception that most of your business is recommended, right? And if they say, well, no one I came across you on Facebook or Google, you say, that's great. The only reason I ask is most of my business is recommended. So you plant that seed early. Mm -hmm. That's just one basic example. But what I'd recommend for your listeners is write down the typical discovery questions they ask and look at each one and say, what am I looking to achieve from that question? And is that the best question that I could be asking to ascertain what I need? 80% of the time it won't be. And then have a think about what the right one is. And, and if any of your listeners don't know the right question, tell them to reach out to me. I'll be delighted to give them my thoughts, my suggestions. That's fantastic. That's fantastic. What a, what a great pleasure it was to have you today. Thank you. Um, I hope everybody is able to be like a squirrel. And if you want to know what that means, get selling in a crisis. And I can't wait till next year when your new book comes out, Coffees for Closers. Thanks. Um, he is Tony Morris. I am Brad Adams. This is the Sales Gravy Podcast. Thanks for listening today and have a great day. 